Happy Father's Day. <laughs> okay. We are, uh, we are going to be discussing Father's Day, obviously, today. And if you have your Bibles with you, and I, I uh, hope that you do, and you want to turn to Malachi, uh, Malachi chapter 4, we're going to be looking at that in just a second. Father's Day is a day that uh, we, take a, we talk about fathers, and obviously we talk about our Heavenly Father, but I, I, I want to just say this as we talk about this, this father um, that we get this illustration from, this story from in the Bible, um, Jairus, and, and the story of his daughter is what we're really going to take a look at this morning. Um, but as we do that, I want you to know and understand this. Um, you might have been blessed with a wonderful father figure in your lives. But you also might be sitting in here today and uh, not had that in your life. Maybe your father wasn't around. Maybe you don't have all great thoughts of your father. Um, some of us have been very blessed. I see my mom and dad here this morning and uh, been blessed to have a godly father um, but what I want you to know and understand, if you're sitting here today, and as we talk to the fathers a little bit today, this, this message could be for mothers, this message could be for our grandparents. I know Ron likes to say, you know, you do know I have a, a grandchild, I, just, so, just so you know I have 11 of them. So, yeah, I'm just saying, okay, so, uh, so I'm going to throw grandparents in there as well, uh, of how we should be. But no one understand this, if you did not have that wonderful figure in your life, don't sit here today and beat yourself up because this is what I want you to know and understand. You did not come into this world by your mother and father. You came through your mother and father. You were made by our heavenly father and you are a masterpiece regardless of what your upbringing and your situation has been in your life. So uh, just keep that in your mind as we talk a little bit this morning. I know as we get to Father's Day, we start thinking a lot about our fathers, and obviously uh, a lot of people do that. Um, I, I want to share something with you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Nick Bridgewater uh, came to me, and, and he said, uh, Kendall, I want to know if you could help me out with something. He said, I had a dream, and I want to know if you can help me interpret this dream, because it was about Dad. I'm like, okay, all right, so... Tell me what happened. I'm not, I'm not an interpreter, but let, let's hear it. And he goes, Kendall, I just want you to know that um, in my dream, you died and went to heaven. And you were met at the pearly gates by St. Peter. And, and St. Peter stopped you and said, Kendall, this is great, but we have uh, uh, something that we do here. We have a tradition. Don't you love those traditions? We have a tradition here in heaven that before I can really let you in through the pearly gates... Um, I need to give you a piece of chalk. And, and that set of stairs over there, I want, you need to take the piece of chalk. Everybody's got to do this and take that piece of chalk and go down the stairs. And when you get down there, this is, there's this big wall, this big blackboard. And you need to jot down your sins so that we can take a look at them before we let you into heaven. I'm like, wow, okay. So I take the piece of chalk and I go over and I start down the stairs. And as I'm going down the stairs... Running up the stairs is Ron. Nick's dream, right? Nick's dream. Running up the stairs is Ron. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Ron, what are you doing? 
And he goes, oh, I'm going back up for another box of chalk. <laughs> so you guys knew something was coming. So that's it. I wanted to get it out of the way before we ever start, right? Okay. So let's get busy with what, uh, what we really need to talk about and what we need to do. Malachi chapter 4. I'm going to begin with verse 5. Read verses 5 and 6. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. We have here a passage of scripture. A lot of your versions will just say, Father. Turn the hearts of the father back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the father. Uh, mine was the NIV that, have par that lists parents. But I think sometimes we miss that last part. I think sometimes we miss that part that says, or else, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I think with where we are in America, I think with where we are as a nation, we need to really take a look at this and wonder, is that where we are? Are we as a nation under some kind of curse at the moment because of where we are in our nation with the lack of godly fatherhood in our families? Our nation was built on strong families. Our nation was built with our forefathers and fathers for many, many years of leading their children, of leading their spouses, of, of leading their grandchildren, of leading them in godly ways. And if we really want to be real this morning and we really want to take a step back and look at, at research and look at what's taken place, it would be easy for us to find out certain things that would make us really think deeply about this subject this morning. First of all, for nearly 15 years now, the generation of fathers from the World War II era are dying at 1,500 Males per day. Figure that up over 15 years. 1,500 per day. So that generation is passing on. The baby boomer generation, my generation, most are, are retiring. Most have lived the, the, the biggest parts of our lives. And we've gone more into that stage where we are turning things over. And that turning over is going to... The generation X and those that come after. And here's the issue that I want to bring up today. Starting with generation X, it is the first generation to have 35% of the babies born in our nation born into a teenage single mom scenario 
35%. Some of those even, not just without a dad, not just without a father, but without a home. That percentage skyrockets if you take into consideration some of my, our minority groups. In some of our minority groups, that goes up to 70% of babies being born are being born without a dad in the home. So on the average, we have 50% of the babies being born in our nation growing up without that father figure, without that dad in their home. Could we be under a curse? I think it's time that the fathers turn their hearts back to their children so that the children will turn their hearts back to their fathers. There was a study done. Well, in a study, it was a, a project that it's, they decided to do in Kruger National Park, which is in South Africa. In Kruger National Park, uh, they were experiencing uh, this, this issue, this problem, uh, with too many elephants. And, and they noticed that uh, all of a sudden they were losing a lot of the, uh, the trees. They were being knocked down and just, you know, things were being torn up and everything because there were so many elephants. So what they decided to do is they decided to get rid of some of the older elephants and they decided to take the majority of the younger elephants and move them 300 miles away to Phyllisburg, South Africa, another national park, and take those younger elephants and put them in that national park. So they took the younger elephants away from the more mature, older elephants. And in this new national park in Phyllisburg, one of the things that that national park was known for were their white rhinos. An extinct, extinct breed of white rhinos. And all of a sudden, shortly after, they, just, they, they found that these white rhinos were dying. And at first they thought poachers were killing the white rhinos. So they set up cameras to take a look and watch what was going on. And what had happened was, even though ele elephants don't have a certain species that they prey on, even though elephants are pretty calm in nature in this national park in this situation these young elephants had formed for lack of a better term their own gangs and were going and killing the white rhinos and so what they decided to do they decided to go back to Kruger National Park and get some of the older mature elephants and bring them to the younger elephants to see what would happen. And sure enough, in a natural order of events, because the mature elephants were there with the younger elephants, the gangs began to break up and those younger elephants started hanging out with the older mature elephants and the white rhinos stopped dying. Is nature trying to teach us something. It's no wonder that in our cities, it's no wonder that across the country 
that we have young people that are getting into this crime, that we have young people getting involved in gangs in the inner cities and different things. Because we, we just talked about the statistics of how many of them don't have a father figure in their life. And so they're going to go, they're going to cling, they're going to find, they're like a magnet to somebody who will accept them, somebody who will take them in. I have a dear friend, mentor in education that I've heard say time and time again. And the first time he said it to me, he, he said, Kendall, here's the deal. If we do not take the time to raise our young people, somebody else will. And so maybe it's time that we as fathers turn our hearts back to the children so that the children will turn their hearts back to the fathers. And again, that could be all parents. So how do we do that? I mean, what does that look like? I think we've got a wonderful description and, and, and some things we can get out of this story of Jairus and his daughter uh, that we're going to read about uh, in, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8. And I want to begin with verse 40. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Follow along with this story. Now, when Jesus returned... Jesus was returning from doing his other miracles. The latest miracle that he had just done is when he, he, he took all of the, um, the, the, the demons out of, out of the crazy guy in, in the graveyard and put them in the pigs and they went and died in, 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 the, uh, in the sea. So he had just done that and these miracles had been taking place and people knew it. They, they, they couldn't wait to see him. They couldn't wait to hear him talk. They couldn't wait to see what he was going to do next. And that's what's happening as we... Start here with verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. I want to drop one down to verse 49. Pick it up with verse 49. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came... To the house, someone came from the house of Jairus. Now what has happened here, it says while Jesus was still speaking, why was he speaking? Well, he was speaking because as they were on the way to Jairus' house and this crowd is all around him, Jesus felt somebody touch him, which he was probably, their bodies bumping up against you all the time and they were trying, the disciples are trying to help him get through the crowd so that they could keep walking and keep moving on and all of a sudden Jesus stops and says, who just touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean? Anybody, because you're, you're bumping into people. No. Somebody just touched me because I felt the power leave my body. And so he's, he stopped and he's talking to this lady who had had this bleeding problem for years. And, and she has now been healed because of her faith and that power coming from Jesus to, to heal her. And he's talking to her. And that's what it's referring to here is while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go with, 
in with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, only asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and he said, My child, get up. And her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. I like that part. It's like, you know, she's been sleeping for a while. She's probably hungry. Just go ahead and give her some food, right? So just raise her from the dead. Why don't you give her a bite to eat? Give her a snack or something. But what I don't want you to know and see here is just this overall picture. Here we have a 12-year-old girl. Jairus' only daughter. We don't know if he had any sons or not. It doesn't really say. But it does tell, the Bible tells us that it is his only daughter. And we know that she is sick. We know she's very sick. And we find here a dad that is concerned for his little girl. Nothing's harder than to watch your kids suffer, right? Be in pain or anything like that. So what do we know about this guy? What do we know about Jairus? The Bible gives us several things that I think we can take a look at. First of all, it says he was a ruler of the synagogue. That means he had a very worthy position in the synagogue. Jairus would have been the one to arrange the services. Jairus would have been the one um, who would have done probably even some of the custodial duties to get the building ready, to get the area ready for the services. Um, he, he, he performed a lot of the duties much like the ministers would, would today. Being the ruler of the synagogue, he was the one who would pick out who was going to read the scriptures who was going to be the, the priest that would be the one to speak. Being in this position, he would have been well known in the community. He would have been respected in the community. I think there's a good chance that he has probably already heard Jesus speak a time or two in the synagogue, maybe in Capernaum. But what we also know is he was a dad. The Bible's very clear on that. And we don't even know the little girl's name. She's, she's just always referred to as Jairus' daughter. But what I want you to think of and what I want to walk through this morning is what did that little girl see in her dad? <clears throat> what did she see? I mean, she, she obviously knew he was a man of prominence. She obviously knew he was a man who was respected in the community. But what else did she see as we talk about fathers on this Father's Day, the first thing I think that she saw was this. She saw a dad who was not ashamed to seek Jesus. He wasn't ashamed. In verse 41, it says, there came a man. Okay? Notice, he came. He went out searching. He was going on a mission to get to Jesus to find Jesus. Notice, he didn't do it. In the middle of the night, like Nicodemus had done. There was a crowd of people. The Bible says they were waiting on Jesus. We know there was a huge crowd. And Jairus went to find, Jairus went to seek Jesus. He had come because his daughter was sick. Jairus stepped up without reservation. 
And the Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet. What, what, one of the things I want you to notice, dads, one of the things I want you to notice, fathers, is I want you to notice that he went himself. I want you to notice that he didn't send his wife. I want you to notice that if there were other sons, he didn't send those sons. I want you to notice he didn't send a servant. I want you to notice he didn't send a messenger, which was common in the Bible. He went to Jesus himself. And oh, in our culture today, if we would have more dads that would seek Jesus without shame. That they would take their priestly responsibility that they have as head of the home. And I'm probably going to upset a few people here with this, but our nation is in a mess. Maybe some of the mess that we are in because we have fathers, we have dads who are out seeking golf balls or fish or something else on Sunday mornings and sending their wives and children to church. Oh, that we would have dads. Oh, that we would have dads that would seek Jesus unashamedly. If only they would seek him without reservation. If only they would seek him boldly. What a difference it could make in our world. What a difference it could make in our society. So the second thing I think that this 12-year-old girl probably saw in her dad was that he was not ashamed to bring Jesus to the house. Again, in verse 41, it says that he pleaded with him. Some of your versions will say he begged him to come to his house. And also notice that following that, the Bible says, as they were on their way. So Jesus was going. All right, we'll go to your house. So Jesus and this crowd of people are on their way to Jairus' house. The whole crowd. Can you imagine that phone call? Uh, honey, um, everybody's coming over to the house. <laughs> what, what do you mean, everybody? I like the whole town. <laughs> Is coming over. But oh that God would give us dads. Who would bring Jesus to the house. Men who would stand with Joshua. And say as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Men who will lead their families in prayer. At the table. At devotions. Dads out there, it, you want to bless your family? Lead them in prayer at your house. Lead them in prayer before the next meal. Especially those of you with the little ones, you'll grow a foot taller in their eyes when they see you being that kind of a godly leader in your family. Dads who would invite Jesus into their home by reading the word of God to them and just letting them see you read the word of God. Dads who would invite Jesus into the home 
by leading the family in and to worship. Dads, listen to me this morning. Let your kids see you honoring the Lord by taking them to church, by praying, by reading the word, and by living for Jesus. <sighs> that we would only have more dads who would invite Jesus into their home. Third thing, what did she see in her dad? She saw that he was not afraid to put the welfare of his child into the hands of Jesus. You can go back and read verses 49 through 55 to get this part of it once again. But I want you to notice this. When Jairus got the news that his daughter was dead, the messenger comes and says, hey, she's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I want you to notice that Jairus did not dismiss Jesus. He didn't dismiss the Lord. He gave his daughter into Jesus' care. We need dads who will dedicate their children to the Lord. We need dads who will lead their children to seek God's will for their lives. We need dads who would be a whole lot like Abraham. <laughs> Which is, is hard to even think about getting to that, that part, but we, dads much like Abraham who'd be willing to sacrifice their children for God's plan and not our own. Because God does have a plan for your children. God has a plan of who he wants them to be. God has a plan of what he wants them to do. God has a plan of how he wants them to serve and help build the kingdom. Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Only trust God. And she will be made well. Now, I'm not here to tell you that God's going to heal and, and save all of your children in certain situations. I'm, I'm not saying that. But if it's God's will that he wants to, he can. Jairus completely, even after the news she was dead, Jairus completely put his daughter in the hands of Jesus. Oh, that we would have dads, that God would give us dads who would commit their children into the hands of Jesus. So dads, here's my question to you. What do your children see in you? If this story were about you, what do your children see in you? Do they see a dad who's not ashamed to seek the Lord? Do they see a dad who's not ashamed to bring Jesus into the house? Do they see a dad who prays for them, reads the word of God with them, and commits them into the hands of the Lord? You know, Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Would that not start in our homes? I'm not ashamed. 
of the gospel of Christ. And again, Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I thought a little bit about, and I think worship team, if you want to go ahead and start coming up, you can come on up. But I thought a little bit about this parenting thing as we were getting ready, preparing for today, and it's like, parenting's tough. It's hard. They don't teach it to you in school. Uh, there are some books, but you got to experience it, do you not? And it's hard, and it kind of reminded reminded me of, um, well, last week, some of our kids and grandkids were with us, and the kids had their bicycles, and some of them are just starting to, you know, to learn the bicycle, learn to ride the bicycle. Some of them are just taking the training wheels off and all that time period. But I got to thinking, you know, parenting is a lot like that. You know, I can remember... Um, Olivia and Araya are here, but all of our kids, you know, as they were learning to, to ride that bike, and you would help them as a dad, you would help them, and, and you know, you, you guys have been there, you've done it, you know, you get one hand goes on the handlebar, and one hand on the seat, and uh, you, you start moving, and then you, you know, you, you go a little bit quicker, and you're kind of, kind of jogging, kind of running with them, and, and uh, you know, those first few times as you're doing that, they're saying, Daddy, don't let go, don't let go. Daddy, don't let go. And then the more that you do it and the more comfortable they get, there comes a time when they say, let go, Daddy. Let go, Daddy. They want to go. And that's parenting. That's parenting. That's knowing when to be there. That's knowing when to hold on. That's knowing when to let go and let them get some independence. But you know the truth of the matter? Here's the truth. Even with that independence, even as they learn to ride that bike, and even as they learn to work their way through life, I think our message to them, my message to mine, would be let go. Never. Oh, I'll let you experience things. But here's what you need to know. When you fall down, I'll be there to help pick you up. Let go. Never. That's what we have in our Heavenly Father. Boy, we've messed it up so many times, have we not? We've wanted our independence. We thought we've mastered the bike. And we've crashed time and time again. We get off course. We roll it over. We get skinned up. And he's always there to pick us up. Because I think his... His philosophy is let go, never. I'll always be there for you. So I don't, I don't know where you, you are this morning, and, and maybe you have never experienced 
Maybe you have not had the joy in life of experiencing having God as your father. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you haven't experienced that thought of he's always there. He will take care. He won't let go. It's a wonderful feeling. And if you've never experienced that and you're feeling that tug of your heart today that he's calling you to that kind of a life and you're wanting to surrender your life over to him and let him be Lord of your life, I pray you do that today. I'll be up here. If you're watching online with us and you want to just type ready to our church number, our connection number, you can do that. We'll be in touch with you. If you just want us to pray with you or pray for you, we invite you to come forward today. But we know also that many of you, us, have done that. And whether you're a father, whether you're a mother, whether you're thinking of your father and mother today, whether you're a grandparent, wherever you are in that sector of your lives, that time period of your lives, what I want you to know and understand is God has put you exactly where you are because he wants you there. And I believe that he is saying to us today, not just here at East Columbus Christian Church, I believe he's telling us as a country, I believe he's, he, he's telling us as a nation that we need men who will rise up, who will stand up, who will grab their Bibles on a Sunday morning, and lead their families to the house of worship. Who will seek God and not be ashamed of him. And who will place their entire, his entire family into the hands of God. And again that could be a father, that could be a mother, grandparents. We have all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of situations. But if that's you today and you know you need to recommit to be that kind of a godly person. I pray you have that prayer with God today. I pray you do that before you leave this building. And if you're here, maybe you're visiting and you're just seeking a, a, a family, a church home to be a part of, and you'd want to talk to us about that, we'd love to, to talk to you about that as well. But I'm going to ask you to stand, and as we sing this song, um, we'll pray, and then I'll be up here if anybody wants to, wants to come and pray and talk.